from the 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 144, Redo, Cryptid Encounter, part 12. Because uh, my computer's a piece of shit, so... Well, you know what? I feel like it's going to be a better episode than the last one we recorded. It could be. What'd you say? Yeah. Like, we had a Christmas episode once that just shot craps, and we, we came back even harder. Oh, yeah, because uh, we, uh, the Macaulay Culkin. I remember that. Yeah, the Macaulay Culkin episode that we did, like the Home Alone Dark Theories, we recorded that. Oh, yeah. And like halfway th- halfway through my computer crash, and then like your, com- uh, whatever you use, like GarageBand, like stop recording all the way around. So both of our audio files were shit. And then we came back yep. like a week later, and it was like amazing. So we <laughs> took it from like a solid B to like fucking A. Yeah. See, Preston's rocking that Windows Vista laptop. We need we need <laughs> Dude, we need more Patreon subscribers. Seven, so then therefore he can get a Windows XP laptop. <laughs> yeah. Would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Get them free sale, maybe Minesweep. <laughs> no shit. Well, this will be Cryptid Encounters Part 12, the Murphy Burroughs Mud Monster. But first, at the top of the episode, I want to say happy anniversary, guys. Yeah. Yeah, how, how this old are is we? Pixelated Paranormal fourth anniversary. And since it's our fourth anniversary, uh, we recorded the uh, very first episode five days before I started dating Jeffrey. So that means uh, Friday. Uh, yeah, oh. Friday is my anniversary with her too. So I got like a double celebration. Huh. Mm. So that probably means like a day before we recorded that episode. That's when you came over. Well, no, wait. Did you start dating her after Colorado? Uh, well, I basically went up there, and then like a day later, we made it official. Like, all right, let's start dating. Right. So, really, four years ago is a night that we got a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say drunk. What's another word for drunk? Inebriated, and then Shayla waxed our armpits, and then your toes. Yeah. Tops of my toes. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're hair free. And your I think your nose and your ears and your eyebrows too, man. Right, me and the listeners, we're gonna head out. Yeah, I could really smell really <laughs> smell the Colorado air with all those nose hairs up <laughs> oh, there. Yeah, if you went skiing, you would have just been like Chevy Chase after he <laughs> greased up that pan, man. Aerodynamic. <laughs> so good. Oh, good times. Well, hey, happy anniversary to you and Jeffrey too, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, four years ago, on the 8th, I believe, was our first episode, our first official episode. Yep. Well, we wanted to do an official celebratory episode uh, to celebrate. However, uh, we had to postpone for a short while. Is it postpone or postpone? Postponed. Post Malone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because we got some very somber news last week. Unfortunately, Rob lost his beloved best friend, his dog Halo. And so we wanted to take a minute right now to give give honor, man, give respect and yeah. talk about the memories and celebration of his life. He's a good boy. There you go. Perfect. That was that was perfectly said. Yeah. If you knew Rob or you know Rob or you listen to really any of the episodes that Rob has been a part of, you probably caught at least one or two snorts or snores or maybe a fart from Halo. Yeah. 
if you know if you know Rob, if you've played Xbox with him, then you knew Halo. It's yeah. uh, it's just it's part of the ambiance yeah. that Rob brought with him, and uh, Halo was just the best boy, and uh, we're all gonna miss him. And uh, the last time we recorded this mm-hmm. episode, Steve posted like a little GIF to our Discord chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, Halo fucking with Corey. Yeah. And if you've ever played Xbox Online with us, we always have a thing where we're like, "Fuck Corey!" Yeah. Like Corey says <laughs> something serious, we're just like, "Fuck Corey!" Right. And th- that the look on the dog's face and the way that he was snapping <laughs> at the air in front of Corey's face, it was almost like Halo was saying "Fuck Corey" yeah. too. And that made my heart yeah. smile a little bit. That was a so. oh, that was man. a good. Uh... Uh, <clears throat> on my phone, you take like the live photos, so like it'll take a photo, but it'll take like, a little clip before and after. And then when you put right. it on, when you put it on Google Photos, sometimes it'll make animations, and that was one of the animations uh, after one of the trips. And I've known Rob longer than both of you guys. Um, ever since yeah. I've known Rob, shit, I don't even know how many years now. At least over fifteen. Um, through through podcasts and stuff. Uh, Rob's the pug guy. Yep. I mean, the, he's one and the same, dude. Like that. That was his. That was his like son, man. And it was yeah. a really tough time. Um, you know him, and and not only for just him, but for his mother too. Like, uh, Rob's mom is that is an extension of her as well. And yeah, uh, every morning, you know, she feeds him his little sausage biscuits and takes him to the <laughs> check the mail and all this shit. And like, it's just. It, it, it's weird. It's weird to think that the next time I go down there, he's not going to be there, and it makes me sad. I know, man. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's gut wrenching and it's heartbreaking. I, you know, we got to Preston. You didn't get to go to Kentucky, but uh, yeah, I got to I got to meet old Halo in the flesh as well, and he's just he's a force to be reckoned yeah. with. That's for damn sure. Yeah, he's a good boy. But uh, yeah, man, he loved sausage biscuits and Corey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, such a, he's such a little shit man i love him and you know what we just want to give a shout out to rob and his mom we love you guys you know that and uh you know we've said it a hundred times but you guys were amazing to that dog you know he he only knew the best life mm-hmm. and uh, you guys provided you know the best life that any any dog owner any dog parent could possibly have man so i mean we love you for sure well, to lighten the mood, I thought I'd share a fun news story. I told this last time, guys, so I'll give the abridged version. Uh, about three weeks ago, I, for the first time in my adult life, shit my pants. Boom. And uh, I had to call Stephen immediately afterwards. He's finally a man. <laughs> finally a man. Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't think this really happened, but apparently nearly everybody shits their pants. And... Uh, Shayla and I went to the farmer's market to get some fresh air, social distancing, all that good stuff. Had a really badass breakfast burrito, uh, sausage, bacon. First mistake. Eggs, <laughs> uh, potato, gravy. It was amazing. AKA everything to make you blow your shit in your pants. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I've normally got an iron stomach, so I don't even know. Like, I felt a little bit of, you know, I thought I was going to have to rip a couple farts at the farmer's market. And then we stopped to get a drink before we headed to El Dorado because we were supposed to get our taxes done that morning. And uh, I made the comment to Shayla, like, man, my stomach kind of hurts. It's a bubbling. Killed the burrito. We were about 10 miles from El Dorado passing Benton. I leaned over on one cheek to let one rip and just soiled my britches. Awesome. So, yeah, there I was on the side of the highway, 
like a fucking dirty ass Winnie the Pooh trying to give myself a whore bath with some, <laughs> some wet naps. Thank God we had some wet wipes in the car. And uh, yeah, tossed the uh, the old boxer Roonies into the uh, the brush of the highway because they were not going to be salvageable. And then rode bare-assed all the way to El Dorado where I sat with a towel underneath me and across my lap while Shayla went in to Walmart to get me some underwear and some shorts. <laughs> Keep in mind, <sighs> everybody in El Dorado knows Sean and Shayla. So if anybody's seen Sean and Shayla's vehicle in the parking lot and was like, oh, is that Sean sitting there? Oh, what's up, man? Oh, that would have been golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had my hat pulled down. I had my head. I was sink, like slinking yeah. down in the seat. Like, that's all I need is, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, no shit. You got the wrong guy. I've never been here in my entire life. That's so crazy. But. Yeah, man. Luckily, went to my in-law's house, who, uh, unbeknownst to me, Shayla had already called while she was walking around Walmart trying to find me some clean drawers and uh, pull up in the driveway. And the first thing my beloved father-in-law says is, huh, shit your pants, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so went inside, got cleaned so up, good. and uh, got our taxes done. Yeah. And now you're cool like Miles Davis. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you know what? Fair is fair. I did call Steven as soon as I got my composure back in the car before we got to Because I've always said that. I've always said that. <laughs> said, you ain't a man until you shit your pants. And it finally happened. Yep. Yeah, I had to call and deliver the news. So there you go, guys. I just want this to be a lesson that even the mightiest can fall. You went from Bowie to Ziggy yeah. Stardust, man. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Bowie probably yeah. shit himself a few times whenever he was eating those red peppers and milk. Yeah, yeah and booger sugar. Yeah, and all the drugs. I'm pretty sure the booger sugar made him shit himself. Yeah, yeah. God, no doubt, man. That's probably what happened. He probably actually just shit in the pool, and then he just assumed he summoned the devil. Yeah. It's Baphomet. No, it's just a poop. <laughs> hey, now look, uh, before we start the uh, main topic, I want to interject real quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the listeners reached out to me last week because uh, two episodes ago I might have said, fuck you, Gracie. Uh-oh. And uh, so he reached out, and I just want to say, Gracie, I'm sorry. I was a little temperamental because sometimes you listen to those other, you know, C-class podcasts over our A-class podcasts, and <laughs> you did give me validation. You were like a superhero, and I love you. Oh, look at that. Aww. I don't think that was really sincere, but, you know. No, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> it felt forced to me, Gracie, but you know what? I've got your back. <laughs> well, should we go ahead and jump into it, Presto? You got a mighty fine little tale to tell here. Oh, yeah. About the old mud monster. It's a big one. Uh, well, that's what she said. Yep. So is this a... Uh... Where do you want me to start? I mean, you can start here or you can start here. (laughs) All right, here we go. You can count to 10 if you want, then start. When researching this topic, no matter what you click on, what you search, what book you read, everything, and I mean every little fucking thing, points you back to the quaint little coal mining town of Murfreesboro in Illinois. It's an old farm county seat where brightly colored leaves fall on brick streets and high school majorettes practice baton twirling for the Red Devils' upcoming football game. Population... Good old boys. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. At approximately 10.30 p.m. on the evening of June 26, five-year-old Christian Barrel was playing in his backyard, which was located relatively close to the Big Muddy River. 
and he was attempting to catch fireflies in the glass jar his mother had given him. Idiot. The child frolicked about delightedly <laughs> when he spied a colossal white shape looming up from behind the fence that separated his yard from the neighbor's property, the Ray family. Terrified, Beryl dropped his jar and raced inside, crying out, Daddy! Daddy, there's a big old ghost in the backyard! Ooh. Now, the child's father was understandably dubious of his son's story because kids make up shit all the time and, you know, they say they see ghosts and whatnot. So it's just kids being kids, right? Yeah, little bastards. Yeah. True. <laughs> What's interesting here is that just a few months before the sightings of the Murfreesboro monster began, back in April of 1973, there was also reports of another creature called the Enfield Monster that had begun reportedly stalking the people of Enfield, Illinois. So presto, let's do something we've never done before. A cryptid encounter inside another cryptid encounter. Whoa. A inception of cryptid encounters. Whoa. Insert the Keanu Reeves See, meme right here. Whoa. So sightings of the Enfield monster were reported back in Enfield, Illinois, beginning in April of 1973, just a few months before the Murfreesboro monster. The encounters were so prevalent that local news stations actually covered the witnesses' stories and plastered the newspapers with the wild tales. At about 9.30 on the night of April 25, 1973, Henry McDaniel heard odd scratching sounds at his front door. So when he looked out to see what was causing the noise, he saw the outline of an animal that he assumed was just a wild bear. And you know, in Illinois, it's kind of weird to see a wild bear. So he grabbed his gun and his flashlight, just like anybody else, and he headed outside to investigate. As he made his way across the yard, he saw the figure again, and it was mulling around between two of his rose bushes. So then he reports to the police what he saw. Now see here, it had three legs on it, with a short human-like body, two little arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish-colored like a swamp. I like it. There you go. <laughs> I think you're a free Emmy. <laughs> Startled with what he had come face to creepy face with, McDaniel fired four shots at the creature, one shot hitting it and causing it to make a hiss that he said was very similar to a wildcat. Then it fleed towards a nearby railway embankment. But he said what was bizarre about the creature's retreat was that it really didn't run like an ape or a man but it leapt and bounded, covering almost 50 feet in just three it's about jumps. three fucking legs. <laughs> so is it just... <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> Look at that. Junior Detective yeah. <laughs> Stephen Jerome here, folks. <laughs> McDaniel called the local authorities who discovered the unexplainable footprints in the soft earth near his house, which McDaniel described as being dog-like in shape with six toe pads. The police considered McDaniel to be rational and sober, and they also believed his reporting of the incident. In a later press interview, McDaniel also said, They find it there. <laughs> He's sober, are you sure? <laughs> okay, hold on. All right. Uh. Now, if they do find it, they will be more than one. But they won't be from this planet, I can tell you that much. 
In the following days, investigators began interviewing nearby residents when they came across the 10-year-old neighbor of McDaniel, a little boy named Greg Garrett. Little Greg was 10 years old and claimed to have actually encountered the creature about a half hour before his neighbor, McDaniel. And when he encountered the creature, it growled at him and then charged at him, knocking him down right on his butt. And when it bumped into Greg, he says it stepped on his foot, tearing his tennis shoes to shreds. The creature stared at the boy briefly, like it was analyzing him, and then it scurried away into the shadows. Two weeks later, on May 6th, McDaniel called the radio station WWKI, claiming that he had saw the creature yet again, this time at 3 a.m. in the morning. He said that he saw the creature walking in the rail yard by his home, searching around the trestles of the railroad tracks. Now, I saw something moving out on the railroad track, bobbing up and down, and there it stood. Now, I didn't shoot at it or anything. I took off on down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or anything. A search party, including the radio station's news director, Rick Rainbow, explored the area later that day, and the group reported observing an ape-like creature standing in the abandoned building near McDaniel's house. They claimed to have made a recording of the creature's cries and fired a shot before the creature fled. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman investigated the case and the sound of the recording. Two days later, after McDaniel was interviewed on a local radio, the local press reported that the police were called to investigate the reports of gunfire and then arrested five young men from out of town who had come to Enfield in order to photograph the creature. They were carrying shotguns and rifles for, quote, protection. Good old boys. <laughs> right. The men had claimed they had saw the creature. The White County Sheriff dismissed reports of this as a monster hunting expedition as an exaggeration, saying that the men were just out drinking and raising hell, mentioning the monster only briefly during their questioning. The rootin' tootin' shootin' posse of men were charged with hunting violations. As the years have passed on, there are still reports of a bizarre creature lurking in the shadows and backyards of Enfield, Illinois. Some claim that it's just an escaped ape or a circus kangaroo <laughs> that was dumped off. <laughs> kind of like the Jersey Devil. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe, maybe the ape? A fucking kangaroo? What is it, running around with boxing gloves? <laughs> badass. <laughs> the boxing beast of Enfield. <laughs> <laughs> so they could have thought that it was also a kangaroo that was dumped off after a traveling circus passed through the town. But other people still believe in something more sinister, like a failed Frankenstein like a failed Frankenstein experiment, or that they were visited by an alien from another planet. Whatever it is, the infield monster lives on, still popping up in the occasional headline, still lurking in the shadows of Illinois and its urban legends. Back to you, Preston! After a Christian Barrel's harrowing backyard encounter with the big white ghost, <clears throat> old Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray were talking on the darkened porch when something moved in the bush nearby. Cheryl went to turn on a light. Randy went to investigate. So Randy and I were sitting in my parents' breezeway talking about my bush when we heard something in the woods. <laughs> we, both, <laughs> we both went down. Yeah, we did. 
Jesus. I told you recording this episode a second time would be worth it. <clears throat> we both went down, but Randy was walking a little bit ahead. Then he said, come here. And there it was. We stood there looking at it. At that moment, it stepped from the bushes. Towering over the wide-eyed teenage couple was a creature resembling a gorilla. It was eight feet tall. It had long, shaggy, matted hair colored a dirty white. It smelled like foul river slime. Silently, the couple stared at the creature, and the creature stared at the couple 15 feet apart. It was like one of those staring contests. Who blinks first? Then, after an eternity, probably more like 30 seconds, the creature turned slowly and crashed off through the bush back toward the river. Like the Homer Simpson meme. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, so the thing I remember about it kind of was the bulk of it. The shape, kind of like a human, and the stench of river slime it apparently had all over itself. It was about eight feet tall, or maybe less, or maybe more. At least as stocky as a New York football player. We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur, long and hairy, like an English sheepdog. And I know, sheepdog. Goddamn Rocky Balboa, you could have just punched it in the face. So he's Rocky, and I'm Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> it was real tall and hairy I think it was white But it was dirty and matted of sorts It had real bad odor It was really rank It smelled like shit I never smelled anything like it It, sm- it seemed like an eternity when we stood there And then it just turned around Walked off We could hear it trampling through the woods It's the big muddy monster Named because sightings happened around the Big Muddy River and because it always appeared to be covered in mud. So basically, a dirty dicked Bigfoot. <laughs> Steve. Yeah, I know my hands are big and my dick is dirty. <laughs> I need you to open that uh, that big book of bullshit and tell us what it says about the dirty Bigfoot. Most definitely. I have it right here. This is called The Field Guide to North American Monsters. Everything you need to know about encountering over 100 terrifying creatures in the wild by W. Hayden Blackman. Okay, uh, so on. Uh, so when you go to the contents of this book, you'd look up hairy humanoids because that's what this thing's described as. But it's not listed, so we'll go to the other hairy humanoids on page 38. Page 38. The resident hairy humanoid among the banks of the big muddy river in Illinois. That's it. <laughs> that's all it says? Wow. <laughs> you really wild as yeah, this shit. Yeah, I... Belu- I hope that's a bonus creep <laughs> <laughs> cryptid because if that's the guide to you know encountering a fucking monster, then they really let. Well, me down. with this is like all the other hairy humanoids, so it doesn't have like actual oh, actual okay. uh, chapters dedicated to it. Like other these other okay, names cause... are the Booger, Brush Creek Big Feet, Howley Him, Old Yellow Top, and the most infamous one of them all, Pegleg. A hair humanoid with a wooden leg spotted along the highways in Georgia in 1970s. <laughs> Fuck, is this a pirate? No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's just yeah. that's just a, uh, a, what do they call it? A, a vagrant pirate. <laughs> a vagrant pirate. Yeah. Hailing in from the North Shores of the Caribbean, it's Peg Leg. What was that, uh, what was that author that uh, wrote the uh, sexy cryptid books and she had oh. like the... Bigfoot, blackbeard pirate that was a ghost that like raped people. Like I feel like that's peg leg right there. It, yeah, I think you're on to something, man. What was that guy's name? Uh, hold on, I'm gonna have, I don't want to look on eBay for Bigfoot porn. <laughs> Big 
Bigfoot erotica. <laughs> There's a lot of it, guys. <laughs> yeah. A lot more than I thought there was going to be. Okay, ganged by Bigfoot. Lori Quick. Wow. <laughs> Trapped and spread in Bigfoot's... <laughs> what the fuck? How do you erase your Amazon search history? <laughs> oh, shit. Nope, it's there now. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot more here than there was. Um, Anyways, the Murphy Burrows monster, a strange creature that has baffled and frightened the police and residents for weeks now in the southern Illinois town on the sluggish Big Muddy River. Creeth and Ray testified that the creature that they saw weighed at least 350 pounds, stood at least seven feet tall. They also stated that it had a roundish head and long gorilla-like arms. Officers Nash and Man Waring were swiftly dispatched through the scene where they noticed a powerful odor that quickly dissipated. They also found a cluster of footprints that were where the creature had been lurking. Following the officer's discovery... Did they find any stool? Um, yeah, they didn't say. Following the officer's discovery, <laughs> Chief Toby Berger immediately dispatched the rest of his men to the scene. All 14 of them. Then sent for an officer and trained dog handler from the nearby Carbondale <laughs> Police Department a man named Jerry Nellis. The officers, armed with rifles, revolvers, and flashlights, discovered a trail of unidentified black slime that seemed to lead directly from the Ray's back porch to the river. Officer Manwaring confirmed the existence of the still unknown material. Now, I saw the substance and smelled the smell myself. <laughs> the men... Then followed the dog down the recently forged path of broken tree limbs and trampled underbrush toward the, their bizarre quarry. The dog managed to track the monster through the dense forest and down a steep embankment toward a small pond, but the brush became too thick for it to continue. The officers began searching the area with flashlights for clues as to where this creature might have escaped. The determined dog darted toward an abandoned barn on the Bueller property, which was located just east of the Ray's house and a little north of the river. But once he got to the decaying door, the usually courageous canine began tripling and yelping with fear. <clears throat> now, this mystified both Nellis and the officers who had noted that over the years that Reb was the most resentless tracking dog in the county. Nellis attempted to grab the dog by the scruff of his neck, poor little guy, and thrust him through the open door of the barn. But Reb just dropped to his belly and scampered backwards, Aww. whimpering the whole entire time. Uh, poor little poochie. Yeah. So... They called in more troops, but by the time reinforcements showed up, whatever had been in the barn was no longer there. Yeah, a lot of things in life are unexplained, and uh, this is just another one of those things. See, we don't know what the creature is, but we uh, we believe the people, and uh, we think what they saw is probably real. Because uh, we tracked it, and the dog's got a whiff of its scent, too. Yes, this is no hoax. This is hunting country, you know? And anyone who goes around in animal costume is going to get his ass sought off. Yeah, these, uh, these are honest people. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they saw something. And uh, who would just walk through some sewage tanks for a joke? You know, it's just not funny. Brought to you by Deputy Dipshit and Sergeant Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> At your service. <laughs> All right, well, let's go back a day shortly before midnight on June 25th. Randy Needham and Judy Johnson were conferring in a parked car on the town's boat ramp down by the big money. Hold, wait a second. 
Now let's go back. A day shortly before midnight on June 25th, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson were necking in a parked car. God damn it. Now let's go back. A day shortly before midnight on June 25th, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson were fucking in a parked car. <laughs> hmm. He was showing him his, her big, his big muddy. Yeah. <laughs> he was showing Judy his Johnson, and boy, she really <laughs> need him badly. Oh, yeah. see, see what I did with the names? Now, at one point, the couple heard a loud cry from the woods next to the car. Many were to describe the sound as that of a greatly amplified eagle shriek. Caca! Mr. Needle. Caca! Mr. Needham looked out from the front seat. There, lumbering toward the open window, was a light-colored, hairy, eight-foot-tall creature matted with mud. At that point, the police report calmly notes, Complainant left the area. He proceeded to the location and filed an unknown creature report. Judy Johnson was married at the time, according to the police, but not to Mr. (gasps) Needham. Or... So when the two reported the monster, the authorities took it seriously. Okay, so hold on just a second, Preston. Let me just toss one of these in myself. Now, the stories that I read said that Randy Needham and Judy Johnson, who were parked at the foot of the 23rd Street in Riverside Park, near the town's old boat ramp overlooking the Big Muddy River, were in fact teenagers. And I never read anything about Judy being an adultering hussy or Randy being a little homewrecker. See, the story I read says that Judy Johnson's father had expressively forbidden his daughter from dating Randy Needham. You know, because boys only want one thing. This is why the pair chose such an isolated location for their illicit rendezvous. It would be a decision which they would soon come to regret. According to the account that I read, Preston, Judy claims that they were listening to the radio, engaged in a debate about if they should leave or not. And presumably, they were fucking. When they heard a piercing roar which Needham compared to an eagle shrieking into a microphone. (laughs) This is the nature podcast, everybody. (laughs) We know our bird sounds. Yeah, we had to we had to get rid of a foley artist. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's nature guide to bullshit. Uh, (laughs) Right. Needham compared compared the sound to an eagle shrieking into a microphone that seemed to emanate from the thick underbrush not far from his car. Needham quickly snapped off the radio and scanned the area, listening intently. And then put his dick back in his pants. (laughs) Right, right. Hopefully he he resheathed his knife. (laughs) Then from out of the deafening silence, another horrific shriek echoed into the night along with the brushwood in front of them starting to rustle and shake like something was about to charge at them. Randy flicked on his headlights, and they both saw a huge, smelly-ass creature lumbering towards them. But here's what makes the story a little more believable. It had a real high-pitched voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing out here? You kids to be parking out here, just necking and touching each other's dirty bits. You want some slime? <laughs> Caw-caw. Yeah, caw-caw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Randy wasted no time in starting his car and accelerated away from the scene with his frightened girlfriend in tow. 
As the pair entered more civilized territory, they drove in stunned silence for a few moments before discussing whether or not they should go report their encounter to the police. Because, Preston, she was not a married woman. She was a teenager, and she knew full and well that once they made an official report, it would reveal their secret romance. But she decided the trouble she was bound to get into when her father found out that she was with Randy was nothing compared to what the monster they just saw could be capable of. It was then the selfless duo made the beeline for Murfreesboro Police Station. The couple arrived at the station and made out what is known to be a report about an unknown creature, describing the beast to look like an oversized gorilla, which they estimated to be over eight feet tall, covered in matted, muddy, streaked white hair. Former patrolman, now retired Murfreesboro Police Chief Ron Manwaring <laughs> was still able to recite the facts of the strange incident from memory almost three decades later. Steve, if you will, sir. So, uh, the first report came in just before midnight on June 25th. A couple had been parked near the boat dock on the southwestern edge of Riverside Park next to the woods. The two, who were not married, said that they were in the car when they heard a loud screaming sound in the wooded area and observed a large creature approximately seven feet tall. The creature appeared to have a light-colored hair matted with mud. The creature appeared to be walking on two legs and was proceeding towards his car. Police Chief Manwaring, lisp and all, felt the couple's account was... <laughs> Credible, in fact, due to the fact that they risked exposing their alleged indiscretions, which would no doubt bring them public ridicule, and even more alarmingly, Johnson's father's wrath, because they were so frightened by what they had seen by the river. The police chief said there was no advantage for them to come up with this report. Trust me, they wouldn't risk it. They were really scared. Later, as Officer Jimmy Nash inspected some peculiar footprints fast disappearing in the oozing mud left by the receding river, he became a firm believer. Yeah, I was leaning over there when there was this most incredible shriek I probably ever heard in my whole life. It was in those bushes over there. It wasn't a bobcat or a screech owl. <laughs> and we hightailed it out of there. Officers searched the riverbank for hours following an elusive splashing sound like something floundering through knee-deep water. <laughs> they found jack shit. Plains folks hereabout do not excite easily, so the next day on page three, the Southern Illinois published a 200-word account of The Critter, omitting the embarrassed couple's names. That presumably was the end of the case. However, 10 days later, the Miller Carnival was set up in the town's Riverside Park, not far from the boat ramp. At 2 a.m. on July 7th, the day's festivities had stopped and the three ponies that would be walked around in circles with youngsters on their backsides were tied to bushes. Suddenly, out of the quietness of the night, the little horses began to neigh. They rolled their eyes. They raised their heads. But they tried to pull free and couldn't. Attracted by the commotion, three carnival workers, Otis Norris, Ray Atkerson, and Wesley Lavender, walked around the truck, and there, standing upright in the darkness, touching the ponies inappropriately, was a 300 to 400 pound creature, hairy, light colored, and about eight feet tall. With no menace, but intense, intent curiosity, 
The creature was watching the animals. The men ran for help. The creature left. But an hour later, Charles Kimball saw it again, peering over the bushes, its head cocked, watching the pony silently. The creature report, which carnival operators delayed filing to avoid hurting business, was the last official note of the Murphy Burles monster. Because <laughs> they already lost a fucking kangaroo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, we can't have the same thing happen that happened in infield. Yeah. They lost the kangaroo. They got ponies being inappropriately touched. Shit's just going sour. That's right. However, there have been many incidents that have not been reported for fear, not of the monster, but of the hundreds of humans who flock to each sighting with rifles and shotguns. Somehow, no one has shot anyone else. But the police had to close the park one night. It was crammed full of hunters and curious campers. It is a creature that brought a, a real kind of Halloween to Murfreesboro's 10,000 citizens. Many have armed themselves and a good number of God-fearing families decided to cancel Halloween that year. So no trick-or-treating for the children. Thanks, Bigfoot, you dick. <laughs> it's October 31st, 1973. Miss Nedra Green was preparing for bed in her isolated farmhouse when a shrill, piercing scream came out of the shed. It's it again! <laughs> The muddy monster faded into legend and has become a staple of Murphy Burl's folklore. Mm -hmm. So the Murphy's Burrow monster is actually just one of many Bigfoot-like creatures that skulks around Illinois. These creatures are categorized as abominable swamp slobs or ass, as our friend John Keel of Mothman Prophecy fame would later refer to them. Others include the Tuttle Bottoms Monster, the Coal Hollow Road Monster, and the Stump Pond Monster. These creatures are oftentimes also accompanied by unexplainable vertical descending lights, thought to possibly be of extraterrestrial origin, possibly crafts that are dropping these creatures off onto our planet. But there's more than just a few asses that are terrorizing Illinois. Oh yes, dear listeners, so we'll leave you for now. But next time on episode 145, we'll continue cruising down the darkest road of the land of Lincoln, and we'll dive deeper into the other things in Illinois that are going bump in the night. Hell yeah! Cryptid yeah. Encounters number 12, baby. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I like the Murfreesboro monster because it's not just a regular Bigfoot. It's an albino Bigfoot. Yeah. And he's kind of a pervert and a peeping Tom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. He's just misunderstood. Yeah. Touching ponies like Joe Biden, sneaking up on kids. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that part in there. Um, what's interesting about the Murfreesboro monster being a, a white-haired creature is a lot of people speculate it could technically be a Bigfoot, but suffering from albinoism. Yeah. Because in a lot of other reports, the creature had glowing red eyes, which could be basic eye shine, or it could be the pink pigmentation oftentimes found in organ <laughs> organisms in animals that have albinoism, mm. or probably a better word. I don't, is albinoism the word? We'll go with it. Yeah. Perfect. Like I said before, we're not scientists. But we are nature experts. Yeah, so these glowing red eyes. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so yeah, the glowing red eyes could actually just be a side effect of being an albino. More you know. Pretty dope. Well, boys, we're just about uh, 40 minutes in. What do you say we cut it now? I wanted to do a longer episode, a double size, but there's just too many other interesting things that are uh, found to be stalking uh, in Illinois. All right, Steve, got anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, not really. Stay safe out there. That's true. Yeah, as, as things open back up, guys, please wash your hands. You know, if, if you have to wear a mask to go in somewhere, you know, maybe just put the mask on and do your deed. Sometimes it's not about protecting you. It's about protecting your dad or your mom or your niece or nephew. 100%. So let's just buckle down and bear with it a little longer, even yeah. if you don't believe it's a real thing. All right, Steve. Uh, you can check man. out our <laughs> podcast, 13 Nightmares. Um, we do a horror movie podcast. Currently working on some episodes here coming up, so it's going to be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And you can check out our Instagram at PXL. Paranormal. Boom. Boom, you got it. And uh, we post stuff there all the time and usually like visual aids for the shows. Also us on Facebook at Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on the Facebook. Join us on there. Share the posts. And that's it. Hell yeah. Love it. Cool. Also, please check out the other shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Pixelated Sausage with Mark Check out his solo video game series called Attack the Backlog. And then check out the brand new anime series called Animazingly Baka. It's with Mark and as well as one of his friends where they get down and dirty about their favorite animes and other things anime related. Tight. Presto, what do you got for us? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best smelling looking beard that you could possibly grow in your whole entire life and not get confused with the swamp dick, big muddy monster, then check out big and use promo code PXL PARA for 20% off your order and get yourself some succulent scents such as Dundee cedar, Bay rum, sweet tobacco, citrus, fresh. You'll be looking good. You'll be smelling good and you won't smell like swamp ass. I sorry. <laughs> I stopped yeah. by uh, Cody's today yeah. and on his porch was um, car business cards for gunslinger soap and Shit, big yeah. Dogs. Hell yeah. That's awesome. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I was like, Oh, look at that. So Cody's going to be looking good and he's going to be smelling fantastic. That's it. Yeah, in this time, you know, it's more important than ever to stay clean. So wash your beard. You don't have and to shave it off. Just wash the damn thing. Yeah, and your balls too, please. Yeah. Hey, real quick. Yeah, it's it's fucking quarantine season, guys, but your showers still yeah. work. So please wash your fucking gooey bits. <laughs> I'm getting real tired of going to shop somewhere and smelling mm. some guy's four-day-old balls. It, yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of it has to do is because... When you isolate, the depression comes on, then you like kind of lose energy to do that, and you're like, "What the fuck's the point?" type of thing. But I mean, yeah, I don't do okay. that. But well, I, you I know, can see so where people would get get with that. But yeah, I don't know. I, ugh, gross. Yeah, that's Shower okay. Daily. That's fair. I partially, I partially take back my comment, but still, at least think about it, maybe. Because if I can tell specifically the part of your body that smells, yeah, it's not very not good for anybody else. All right, so with that being said, go to BigDomsBeardBomb.com and get yourself some beard soap. Then head over to GunslingerSoap.com and get yourself some body soap. 
And then, guys, you know what we like to say around here, shop, shop local. local. Support anything local that you possibly can. You know what? We're slowly opening the cities back up, so do what you can if you can. Anything helps. Or just promote the heck out of your favorite local businesses to your friends, families, and uh, social media streams. And here in Wichita, check out CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Stop by, say hi to Leslie and the gang. Stop on down to Fast Print down at Harry and Rock Road, and then anything else local you can, please. Yeah. Speaking they, of local, what? Well, go ahead. When they finally open back up in a couple weeks, look up Cuts by Colin and go get your mm. beard dazzled and your hair frazzled by our good buddy Colin because he does an amazing job at being a barber. Mm-hmm. So he does. go support that guy. Hell yeah. And stop in there and just say, Colin, my friends at Pixelated Paranormal told me to come in and ask specifically for the frazzle dazzle. <laughs> he won't know what the hell you're talking about, but we'll get a good laugh at his expense. Just kidding. <laughs> no, Colin, Colin is a very good friend of ours. We've had an episode with him in the past. He's a fellow paranormal buff, and once all this crap blows over and we can start hanging out again, I can't wait uh, to go out on a couple more hunts with him, man, and get yeah. some more of those stories. That man is a well of paranormal stories. I would love that. Cool. And he's got the hands of an angel. That he does. And uh, I like to call that when I'm drinking anything uh, beer-wise that's not only local, but paranormal. Right now, Norton's Brewing Company just opened back up, and they canned up some of the sweet-ass stout that I missed back around Christmas time. It is a chocolate marshmallow stout. It tastes like a cold, hot chocolate, and this bad boy weighs in at 11%, and it's called Gryla. Wow. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's delicious what it is. I'll tell you that right oh, yeah. now. Well, there's nothing else, guys. I say we cut it here. Thank you all so much for listening, for joining us, and sorry that we had to take that week off, but hopefully everything we added to this episode makes it worth it. You won't know because you don't know what to compare it to. And with that, I say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. Bye. And stay spooky and stay driving on that paranormal highway, baby. Oh, you mixed it up a bit, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little sassy. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.